Oh man, so good. Let's uh, let's open the word together. We're in Exodus. Uh, for those uh, for those of you uh, who perhaps haven't been here, uh, so uh, so I'd invite you to open Exodus chapter five. Uh, although we're actually starting just just the back of uh, of chapter four. Um, now this series that we've been in, this the the intention behind this series was, uh, I am I personally am reading through Exodus, right? And so uh, I am going to then preach what I feel that God is speaking to me about for the church, not just for myself, uh, but for the church. And, uh, and that is going to, uh, to, to sort of uh, provide our teaching series directly from God through the reading that, that I'm doing and sharing with you. That's been the experience. Uh, sorry, that's been the, uh, the reasoning behind the series. Is that all right? However, uh, I have realized that, uh, that towards the end of this series, which is going to take us up until Christmas, uh, the last uh, month of that, November, I'm probably not going to be preaching a whole lot uh, because we're having a baby, which is exciting, uh, which means that perhaps uh, we won't be able to do as much preaching or so I've been told. I was speaking to the guy that, that mentors me at AOG uh, this week, and, uh, and he was saying, so what's your plan then? And I said, well, you know, probably just take a, a week off, probably two weeks um, where I won't preach. <laughs> and he was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I had to do some reevaluation in that area, um, which, which, <clears throat> which ultimately means that uh, the, the last part of this series, which, as I said, was intended to be, uh, if you like, my personal reading uh, out to the church is not really going to be that. Uh, but that's okay, because it's still the Bible, hey, who knows what God speaks through, the, through his word? Yeah? Oh, man, so good. Now, the fascinating thing about a sermon in church, uh, the, the, the fascinating thing is that it needs to be relevant to every single person in the room. Have you ever thought about that? That, that there needs to be, it needs to be relevant to every single person in the room. The person who has been a Christian for the past 50 years and has pretty much heard every sermon that there is to preach, right? That happens, I've been told. Uh, to the person who, uh, who has come in and who has barely heard the name of Jesus before, um, <clears throat> to the person who is searching for answers or comfort in a situation that is really, really challenging, uh, to the person who is absolutely on top of the world and having the best time. When we preach from the platform, there has got to be a message that is relevant to every person. Have you thought about that? Yeah? We're all here to hear from God for our lives and, and, and for our church, yeah? That's, that's, what, that's why we open the Word. That's why we study the Word. And so this morning, uh, I believe that God wants to speak a, uh, something into this church. But here's the thing. The message this morning is for a particular type of person. The message is for a particular uh, type of person. And so at first, I was wrestling with this message. Right, I was wrestling with this message because I thought this scripture that I'm reading, as I've said, this comes from my own personal reading, I thought this scripture is relevant to me, right? And it's relevant to, uh, to, to, to some of us, uh, to, uh, to others of us as well. But I said, uh, I was praying over this, over this scripture that I was reading and thinking, you know, perhaps we'll just skip over this one and go on to, uh, to a, a, a later chapter. And I said, Lord, this is only relevant to a certain a group of people, maybe not everybody on a Sunday is included in this message. Maybe this message excludes people. 
And when I was praying about this, I, uh, I felt a real conviction from God. I felt God uh, speak, uh, speak to me, almost, uh, almost like being told off a little bit, but not told off, you know, in a nice way, you know. I've heard that that's the thing that I need to learn how to do. All right? A nice way, uh, strong guidance. And, uh, and he said this, this message uh, that we have that, uh, that I've given, that God's given in Exodus, this is actually an inclusive message. This is an inclusive message. You're not being exclusive if you speak it. You're being exclusive if you don't. And that challenged me quite a bit. That challenged me quite a bit because our message today is, uh, is about leadership, right? It's about leadership, and the message is for leaders. That's the message this morning. And now you might think like I initially did, well, that's not relevant for everybody on a Sunday morning. Mm. You might think that not everybody here is a leader. You might be thinking, well, I'm not a leader. I don't lead a thing. I don't lead a team or a ministry or, or a life group. Or I don't lead a department at my, at my work or, you know, outside of church. I'm not a leader. And I felt God say, as I said, as we were, we'll get into the message in a minute. This is pre, pretext, pretext, write that down, heading. Uh, and I felt God say, you know, we planted Assemble Church. God commissioned Assemble Church for a particular purpose, a specific purpose, in fact, and that is to equip the people. Do you remember that? To equip the people, all of us, for the mission that he has given to us. And that mission, regardless of the specifics, ultimately boils down to one thing, and that thing is leadership. That thing is leadership. We are all called to lead people in one form or another. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. Be it leading people to Jesus, the great, uh, the, the great uh, commission, which is something that we're all called to do. Leading people along a journey of discipleship with Jesus. Leading our family, leading our children, leading in work being an influence into places that don't have Jesus. We are all called to lead. These are the ways that we're all called to lead, yeah? But I believe that there is something more for Assemble Church. I, re I really do. This, this, is, this is the essence of the, of the planting of, of, of this church, is that there is more. Establishing uh, and leading ministries and efforts that see lives transformed in our town. Leading of, of teams that serve people in a way that demonstrates the servant heart of God. Leading life groups that facilitate discussion and discipleship. We are a church of leaders. That's what I want to uh, I, I speak over us this morning. We're a church of leaders. That's who I believe we're called to be. And so our message today that is to leaders is relevant to all of us. It's relevant to all of us, whether we think it or not. And so this morning, we're talking about the journey towards leadership. Is that okay? Yeah? Is that okay? Good. Good. I have to keep checking. I have to keep checking. Make sure you're awake is the first thing. Uh, but the second thing is the lights are a bit bright, and the lights are out there a bit dark, so I can't really see too much. And so I have to keep checking that, that everyone's with me. Is that okay? Yeah, good. Good little test there. 
On Wednesday, we have our vision evening, right? Our vision evening where we're setting out the next year of Assemble Church. And, uh, and it's a vision that every single person in Assemble Church is invited uh, to get in on. Because coming are the days. Coming are the days where the questions around these parts will be, who are you leading? The questions will be, what are you leading? The questions will be, where are you leading? And, uh, and if you've put your trust in Jesus, if you acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you've been here a while, the answer to that question, if it is, well, I'm not leading anyone, I'm not leading anything, I'm not leading anywhere, that will be considered weird. That's where we're going. Is that all right? Yeah, quieter that one. Much quieter that one. Here's the thing. I don't want to be in a church that's going nowhere and doing nothing. I go home. Being taken this way and that way and watching the culture of the world be our leader. I want to be in a church surrounded by leaders that saying, no, there's a better way. His way. That's where we're going. And we're going to do something about it. So I'm speaking today to a room of people that are on board with bringing kingdom leadership into a non-kingdom world. And we're in Exodus 4, right at the end, from verse 27. I've realized <laughs> that I did not send my scripture verses to the, the guys that put them on the screen. And so uh, we're going to struggle. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, I'm going to read it, and uh, if you've got your Bible, I'd strongly suggest you, uh, you read along as well. Uh, verse 27 of Exodus 4, here we go. The Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he met Moses at the mountain of God and kissed him. Then Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent uh, him to say, and also about all the signs he had commanded Moses to perform. Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites, and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people, and they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and they worshipped. So Moses has fled from Egypt. Do you remember that? Moses has fled from Egypt because things went wrong when he tried to do things in his own strength, and he ended up uh, murdering people and, and uh, just it's a, whole, a whole mess of, uh, of situation when he tried to do things his own way in his own strength. So he's fled Egypt. He's seen the burning bush. Uh, he's humbled himself before God. He's put his own ways down, and he's picked up God's ways, and he's been commissioned by God to go about the mission that he's on. And more than that, uh, he's been commissioned by God to lead a people uh, for God's purpose and into his promise. Yeah? And this is all stuff that we've, uh, that we've covered up until this week. And so let me speak prophetically into this room right now. Let me speak prophetically into this room, because there is coming a time if it has not already come for you, where you are commissioned to lead a people into his purposes, or for his purposes, into his promise. Here's the thing. People will be led. People will be led. It's human nature. We all seek leadership, yeah? You recognize this? Do you seek leadership? I do. 
We all seek leadership. One of the main reasons when we planted this church that we joined AOG, Assemblies of God denomination, was because Sam and I recognized very, very, uh, um, the, the, the incredibly significant need for leadership. That we cannot go about things uh, by ourselves, but we need, to be, we, we need to come under good and godly leadership because every person looks for leadership. And so our challenge as Christians, as ch- our challenge as those that follow Christ is this, if not us, then who? And if not towards Jesus, then where? People will be led. The world out there has already got this down. It's already, it's already got leadership down. It's leading people by culture, by influences, by social media. And the places that it's leading people to is not good. It's, not, it's demonstrably not good. You are called and commissioned by God to lead a people. And if you don't believe that about yourself... And you're not reading the same Bible that I am. The first element of our journey to leadership is this. Receive your commission. Receive your commission. Here's something that... uh, It's something that, that you should know about Assemble Church. Well, in fact, actually, you should rather know it uh, about me specifically as a leader, um, as, as the pastor here, is this. It is unlikely, it is unlikely that I will ask you to lead something or to do something or to be involved with something. It's unlikely that that will happen. And you might say, well, why? That's weird. It's a weird thing. If he's saying that he wants us to be a church of leaders, surely he needs to ask people to lead stuff. That makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah? Hands up. Makes sense? Don't, don't lose me now, church. We've still got four hours of this. All right? It makes a lot of sense, and that's why most churches do things in that way. The pastor has the ideas and wants to start something, and then he asks people to do it. It's a, it's a fairly standard model. Most people do it that way, and, uh, and it works. It's, it's good. But I believe there's a different way. I believe there's a different way, and that way is this. It is for all of us, for you to hear from God and not from me. For you to hear from God and not from me. For you to experience a divine itch that God will, uh, will empower you to scratch. <laughs> For you to have something laid on your heart. There is something massively personally impactful about hearing God for a mission to see lives transformed in a particular way. Assemble Church is here to equip you. But it's not here to manage you. It's here to lead you and teach you and equip you and disciple you. But it's not here to manage you. Part of equipping you is to encourage you to hear from God for yourself. Then you want to be part of a church that doesn't just take orders from one guy. But 
rather is so collectively in tune with what God is doing in this town that creative commissions are heard and undertaken by all of us. By all of us. Not just the few. Receive your commission. Receive your commission. And just as Moses did, that involves an encounter with God. It involves humbling ourselves before God, taking off our sandals. And don't overthink it. You know, sometimes we can be paralyzed by waiting to hear an audible voice from the heavens, giving us a 10-step process for how to start a youth ministry. It's not going to happen. Most of the time, that isn't what happens. It's a feeling. It's an idea. It's a conviction. It's a noticing of something missing. That is how God calls his people to action. Is that okay? Receive your commission. Now, the first thing Moses did after he receives his commission from God is he meets up with Aaron or Aaron. Some of you may have heard me say Aaron several times and been thinking in your head, it's Aaron, actually. Unbelievable. <laughs> Aaron, we'll go with, I'll, I'll switch. How's that? That's going to annoy everybody then. I'm going to switch throughout the, throughout the thing. Uh, so Aaron is here and, uh, and he goes to Aaron and Aaron is uh, Moses' wingman. And you as a leader are unlikely to have uh, all that is necessary to accomplish what God is calling you to do. Yeah? Yeah? Amen. Uh, but that's okay because God will surround you with the people that make up for your shortcomings. This is the beauty of the church. This is his design. This is, what he, uh, this is, this is how he put it together. See, there are some aspects, and you'll know this. Anyone who has met me will know that there are many aspects of leading this church that I'm really not very good at. I'm really not very good at lots of things, and uh, um, I won't list them because we don't have time uh, as it is, uh, but there are people that God has put in this church that make up for where I fall short. It's genius. It's incredible, and, uh, and Moses is, is called to liberate his people from Egypt, yeah? That's his, that's his thing. That's it. I mean, even, even the non-Christians know that. Yeah, that's the whole Moses thing. But he wasn't even able to speak. He was sent to speak to the king of Egypt and say, let my people go. And he wasn't even able to speak, um, which is a fairly important thing to do when, you, when your mission is to speak, hey? Yeah? We mustn't allow our inabilities to deter us from doing what God has called us to do. Otherwise, nobody would ever do anything. Instead, element two of our journey to leadership is find your Aaron. Find your Aaron. Because you can't do what God is calling you to do by yourself. You can't do it. That's why the church exists, as, as, as we've said. That's why we do things together. That's why the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 11 that we are to build one another up and to encourage one another. It's why the book of Proverbs in 3 or 5 uh, tells us that just as uh, iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another person. There's an incredible um, story later on in Exodus 17 um, where the Israelites are engaged in a battle. Some of you all know this story. They're engaged in a battle in Exodus 17, and, uh, and it, it goes like this. 
Moses is, is still leading God's people, right? And he's stood uh, on a raised bit, and, uh, and he's sort of looking out over the battle. And any time Moses has his arms raised in the air, the Israelite army are, are winning, right? They are beating their enemies. But any time Moses puts his arms down, the Israelite army begin to lose, and the enemy begins to win. Now, that's, that's simple, isn't it? All, all Moses has to do then, he doesn't even have to pick up a sword. All he has to do is stand there with his arms raised up for as long as it takes to win the battle, and jobs are good. Except Moses is a human, and his arms get tired, and so they begin to drop. And as Moses' arms drop, the Israelites start to lose. And so in comes Aaron again. Aaron and another chap called Hur. And uh, Aaron and Hur, they get alongside Moses. And this is an incredible picture. And they hold Moses' arms up for him. Because whilst Moses' arms are up, the Israelites are winning. Hey, but he can't do it by himself. And so his, his team, his friends are around him and they hold his arms up. As a leader, you will face things that you can't do by yourself. It's a fact. You will need your errands, you will need your hers to hold your arms up while the battle rages on. Find your Aaron. We're going to, uh, we're going to continue with, with Exodus chapter 5. Now, the Bible says that the elders of Israel and the people he's leading, they're all on board, which is great, isn't it? Everyone's happy. He sets off and, uh, on, his, on his leadership journey, and, uh, and, and everybody's happy. It says, verse 31, and they believed, right? Everyone's on board. Everything's going well. What could be better than this? Uh, they believe Moses. They're behind him. They're supporting him. And in your journey as a leader, there will be times uh, of incredible satisfaction and excitement where everything is going well. Everything is going well. Are we looking forward to those times? Yeah? We're going quiet again. Just calling it out. Just calling it out, church. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a show, right? It's a conversation. <laughs> uh, but fair warning here, uh, leadership is not all gumdrops and roses. Uh, leadership is not all gumdrops and roses. We weren't called to live a life of gumdrops and roses. <laughs> In Exodus 5, chapter 1, uh, sorry, verse 1 to 2, I read this. After Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh, they said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let the Israelites go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go go. So this is a part of Moses' mission of his journey where he has to confront the Pharaoh and, and, and let him uh, ask, ask the Pharaoh to let them go. And Moses says, no. Sorry, Pharaoh says, no. Just as everything was going so well, so according to plan, there is a bump in the road and Moses receives his first real blow. And this is something that we need to be aware of. Because as we are on a path that God has given us, things won't always go to plan. 
Things won't always go to plan. Now, in this case, Moses was pre-warned by God that it wouldn't be smooth sailing with the Pharaoh. But even so, to actually experience such a major setback is, is devastating, isn't it? Yeah? Can you imagine the nerves? I can. Well, not fully, I suppose, because, but I can try. It's a devastating situation. Obstacles will be part of your leadership journey. They just will. Why? Because the enemy wants to persuade you to give up. The enemy wants to persuade you to give up. And I'm fairly confident that that would have crossed Moses' mind, hey? At that time, when he receives his first rejection, what would you have thought if you were Moses? You didn't want to do it anyway, not really. You're a reluctant leader as it is. And now you've, you've, you've experienced the king, the most powerful person in the land. You've gone to him asking something that is frankly ludicrous. And he has responded with, no. What would you be thinking? This is no fun. This isn't good. This, this is far too difficult. There's too much opposition to this mission. And that's what Pharaoh wants, yeah? Who knows that? Who knows that that's exactly what Pharaoh wants in this time? He wants Moses down and out. He wants Moses down and out. Moses is threatening his regime. He's threatening uh, what Pharaoh is doing. He's threatening to remove, uh, you know, what Pharaoh has uh, in terms of resource to, to, to build his kingdom. Um, and, and so Pharaoh is trying to put obstacles in the way. It would be naive to begin our leadership journeys assuming there won't be opposition. That would be foolish. That would be foolish. But knowing that it will come doesn't make it any easier. Who knows that? Yeah? Let's not forget, Moses was on a major mission to achieve freedom from his enemy for a people. And so his enemy attempted to stop him. When you're leading people towards freedom in Jesus when you're leading a people to experience the freedom that Jesus bought and paid for on the cross, in whatever sphere that is, there is an enemy who does not want that freedom to be achieved. There is an enemy that doesn't want that freedom to be achieved, and so he will put in blockers and obstacles and difficulties and confusion and things that make it seem impossible. Not so encouraging that bit, is it? No? I'm just being honest. There's no point in sugarcoating stuff. Things need to be doing. It's quite difficult. It's a reality. Not, I mean, it's not a TED talk. <laughs> Exodus 5 and verse 6, because it actually gets worse. <laughs> it actually gets worse from verse Five, six. <clears throat> that same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to 
our God. Now the people that Moses is leading to freedom, they have it even worse than they did before. Even worse than that. It's not just a no. It's not just a no. That would be bad enough. But the enemy, Pharaoh, has made their lives even more difficult than it was before. There may be times in your leadership where you are convinced that it would have been better for you to not have even bothered. Because it may seem as if things are just worse than they were before. But the story goes on. The story goes on because we're going to get to the end of this and it's going to be awesome. Are you ready? All right. From verse 19, we read this. The Israelite overseers realized they were in trouble. All right. So the people that Moses is leading, they realize they're in trouble when they were told you are not to reduce the number of bricks required for each day. They've still got to make the same amount of bricks but they're not being given the resource to do it. It's worse than it was. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials, and they have put a sword in their hand to kill us. The, the very people that Moses is called to lead have now turned on him. Did you see that? The very people that, God, uh, that Moses is leading have now turned on Moses. This is the reality of what it is. <laughs> ah. You know... Ah. You know, church, I think, I think sometimes I'm just going to pause... Because sometimes I kind of feel like it would be really great to, to just preach the good stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah? To, to just focus on, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the really good stuff. And, and, you know, we could take a, a pen and perhaps cross out the bits of the Bible. That's like, uh, and don't mention that because that, that won't go down. Well, that's not going to get a cheer, that bit. And, uh, you, know, you know, we don't really want to, uh, want to uh, make that inconvenient truth known to the congregation. That's, that's not going to, uh, you know, increase how many people serve on a team. But, and, and it would be a lot easier to do that. It would be a lot easier to do that. But that's not what I believe we're called to do. As I said at the start, Assemble Church is called to equip. And uh, part of equipping is, is, about, is about the whole truth, yeah? It's about... The bits, even the bits that aren't very uh, conve uh, convenient. And, uh, and so we'll always preach the truth. I'll always preach the truth from this platform, even though it's, it's, it's difficult to preach and it's difficult to hear. It still needs to be said, amen? Because the worst thing that I could do, the worst thing that I could do, because here's, here's the thing. We all know there's an undertone. It's not even an undertone. It's fairly obvious, in fact, that I'm calling all of us to take up some kind of leadership position. Yeah? That's, that's the message. Have we got that? Yeah? Conscious, subconscious. 
however obvious I was being. That, that's the call. And it goes in line with our vision night on Wednesday as well. This is kind of like the preach for that bit. All right? And so it will be loads easier for everybody to sign up to do something if I said, it's going to be so great, church. It's going to be so easy. You're going to have a blast. And you are. It is. But there are still difficulties. And so I've got to tell you ahead of time that there are going to be difficulties. Otherwise, you're going to come to me three months later and say, you said this was, you said it was going to be easy. You said it was, you, you never mentioned the challenge part. Nobody can say that now, can they? Huh? Here's the challenging part. Here's the challenging part. Uh, the people that Moses is leading have turned on Moses. And, uh, and so th- that will happen. There will be times where that happens for us. It, it just will. The pressure will build. Things will be difficult. Tensions will rise. And so element three of our journey into leadership is this, and it is to lead with grace. It is to lead with grace because when things don't go to plan, because the enemy has introduced challenges, more challenges perhaps than we were ready for, and as and when, if and when, you receive the blame for what the enemy has put in the way, we must lead with grace. We must lead with grace. Moses doesn't lash out. He doesn't respond. He doesn't strike back. He doesn't take his frustrations out on the people that he's leading. He holds his tongue. He applies grace. And in fact, he does more than that. Element four from verse 22. Moses returned to the Lord. Moses returned to the Lord and he brings his grievances to God. He says, why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me to Pharaoh? Moses returns to God, the one who has commissioned him in the first place, the one whose mission it is anyway, the one who has authority over all things. He doesn't look into himself for the answers. He doesn't even look to Aaron, Aaron, for the answers. He goes to God. He goes to God because when we're leading on mission, when we're leading people, leading ministries, leading teams, leading people to Jesus, our constant throughout everything has to be God. It's his mission, church. It's not ours. It's his mission to turn to him from, from, where, he's from, from where we draw our strength. In him we find our comfort. Proverbs 3 tells us to... Uh, to, what does it say? Is it, I didn't write it down. It, it tells us to, um, to lean not on our own understanding, but instead submit to him. Why? Because, because we're called to do more than we're capable of doing. Our mission far exceeds our abilities. Even with the errands, errands around us, the things that we are asked to do, the places that we're called to go, the stuff that we're expecting to see will not come about except by the grace of God. And so we must be ever turning to God, bringing our frustrations to God. That's leadership. That's biblical leadership. Is that all right? Yeah, Quieter and quieter every time I ask that. Every time. That's okay. So why share this message today then? Why, why, why are we here? Surely it's more appropriate for a leadership evening, isn't it? Maybe even invite only. Not a Sunday morning message. Except that it is. 
Because as I said at the, at the start, the, there was no premeditated plan, you, you know, for me to be reading Exodus 5 uh, this week, uh, the chapter where Moses embarks on this leadership journey. Uh, the same week that we're having our vision night on Wednesday. I wasn't planned, honestly. It really wasn't. I'm not that organized. I will be next year. Got a plan. I'm not that organized. It didn't happen. The journey of leadership in the kingdom of God is not without its challenges. And as I say, there's little point in sugarcoating it. We're all adults, aren't we? Can handle the truth. Not like, what's that, Phil? You can't handle the truth. Who says that? Hey? A few good men. Anyway. <laughs> Irrelevant. <laughs> Entirely irrelevant. We can, we can handle the truth. And, uh, and yet, despite the known challenges ahead, it's still the journey that God calls us to. It's still the journey that God calls us to. Jesus said in chapter 5 that we will see even greater things. That we will see even greater things, even greater than the miracles that he himself performed whilst on earth in his earthly, earthly body. We will see even greater things. Every one of us is put here for a reason to be available, to be part of God's plan for redemption. That's why we're here. That's the purpose for our lives. And I don't know about you, but I've read the end of the Israelite story in Exodus. And in fact, onto the book of Joshua as well. I know that they reached the promised land. And we haven't got time to do a full Exodus study in one morning. I know that freedom was won. I know that enemies were defeated. I know that strongholds were broken. This is what the Bible says. And I've read that it was accomplished by God whose promises never fail and whose word is good, who empowers and equips regular men and women to do extraordinary things in his name. That's what he does. That's how he works. God doesn't call those that are equipped. He equips those whom he calls. And he is calling all of us. He is calling you to put down your own plan and to pick up his so that we too, when we reach heaven and face Jesus, we will hear the words that he speaks. Well done, good and faithful servant.